The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. In 2020, it looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Optimism. Optimism. The Dow surges the most since 1933. On stimulus deal hope, says House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, says she's an optimist. She says she's optimistic on a virus deal after President Trump's agrees to oversight. And meanwhile, we will bring you the latest from Capitol Hill, where lawmakers are continuously working on this economic stimulus deal. The president set to have his coronavirus task force meeting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I'll go to that live should they be on time. They haven't been on time all week. We've got a all-star panel, all eyes on the nation's capital, on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Wall Street's optimistic, but small businesses and medium-sized businesses are on edge. Anna Edgerton joins me from the telephone. She's Bloomberg Politics Editor. Anna, what time would a vote come? Well, we're waiting to see the final legislative text, and that's really what it comes down to in order to get a Senate vote done tonight. Um, they would have to have pretty robust support for this if they're going to vote tonight. They would need to not have any senator object to this bill going through in order to do this quickly. Now, then the next question is what happens in the House. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said this morning that she wanted to pass this by unanimous consent, which is a pretty amazing thing for a $2 trillion for a $2 trillion bill. They're basically just phoning it in because they want to do this quickly. Well, they need to do it quickly because in addition to providing economic relief for Americans who are without uh, income, but there's also access to credit. And, and this is really what I want to focus in on, Anna, and your team has been doing such an incredible job of this. And, you know, I, I remember watching you on Capitol Hill. You know the halls of Congress and lawmakers better than anyone. But get into the weeds here. If you're a medium-sized company, if you're a small business Are you going to be able to take out a loan with zero interest as a result of this backed by the government? Yeah, so the small business provision would include $350 billion for small businesses basically to make payroll, pay rent, you know, pay some of those fixed costs that they have, even if they don't have revenue coming in. Now, if those businesses keep most of their staff on payroll and don't lay people off, those loans will actually be forgiven, so actually turn into grants. That's one of the provisions that um, the small businesses are most excited about. There's also $500 billion for larger corporations and states and localities that would be available for loans and loan guarantees. So what is that? How, if people are interested in understanding that and getting more, who do they have to go to? Because I, I, I'm hearing from business, the business community today, where do they go to get that? So the loans will be run through banks and credit unions. So these are existing 
existing entities. They wouldn't be creating a new government bureaucracy in order to get these to the people that need it. So it's basically a way of encouraging uh, lending institutions to get liquidity into the system, into these companies that are going to be really cash-strapped as the economy just kind of shuts down. You know, people aren't going to restaurants. They're not going out for entertainment. They're not using transportation, you know, not seeking out cultural um, experiences. So that's the idea is that these companies Small businesses can go to their lending institutions, get this money that's backed by federal loans, and have that have those loans forgiven eventually if they keep all of their but uh, see, all of their employees on. Staff. See, this is just what's just so nonsensical to me because all of the grandstanding that's gone on, Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg Politics Editor, on both sides of the aisle, it is it is it, it's hard for me to articulate the anger. The frustration, the sense of helplessness that people outside of this city, outside of the DMV are feeling right now. And it's beyond restaurants. And it, 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 it cuts right to the core of every single industry, no matter where you are, being told to stay home. And the uncertainty with no clear guideline, that economic anxiety is paralyzing. And I think for folks outside of Washington who are looking at that Capitol building and they see these people still showing up and just grandstanding, it is insane. And so I'm wondering if based upon your reporting and based upon the conversations that you're having with your sources, if people understand that. And frankly, based on my conversations today with sources on both sides of the aisle, I'm not sure they do because this is – for that community of Congress on both sides, largely recession-proof. Yeah, and just to give you an example of one of the sticking points, you know, abortion has come up, for example, which is an issue that comes up frequently when we're talking about uh, government appropriations funding different um, different programs with government money. One of the provisions that Republicans would like to put in there is a prohibition of using any government funding for any institution that provides abortions. So that includes Planned Parenthood, that includes rape crisis centers, that includes, you know, kind of community nonprofits that provide other health services as well. Well, for Democrats, they don't want to have that restriction on some of these community-based organizations. They want these, you know, essentially small businesses to also be eligible for these loans, even if they provide abortions. So you, you can see how it is kind of a culture war issue, but it's one How that both in, sides... I have to interrupt. How... Sure. I mean, I, that is so... How did culture war issues get tied up in this? I mean, that is... I, I, no matter where you are on, on the, that particular issue, how is this getting snowballed in. I mean, and, and, and again, just to repeat, there is a sense of optimism that this is going to get done tonight or tomorrow morning, correct? Yes, that's right. That, that's our expectation, at least in the Senate. And then how them from the House, how long would that take? Because most of them aren't even back. Right. And they might not come back. That's, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing about this is the House has been out since, I think, March 14th when they passed their last uh, virus response bill. So if Pelosi wants to pass this quickly without calling all 435 members of Congress uh, of the House back to Washington. You, they they could do this by unanimous consent. There are other ways that they could do it, maybe by proxy voting, kind of parsing the constitutional issues there. But if they do it by unanimous consent, that would be 
the quickest way. However, if they do it by in unanimous order to consent, do that, wait, wait. If they do that by unanimous consent, we have a minute left. So, how would that work? When would that vote take place? It could take place I, technically as soon as tonight if the Senate acts, but more likely uh, tomorrow or the following day. But in order to do that, you have to have a hundred percent acceptance from the House of Representatives, wow. which you know usually happens on much much smaller bills than this. Do you think Pelosi has her has her ducks in, in a row? I mean, does she know how to navigate this? Um, she has gotten some pushback from both her progressive members and her more moderate members. Moderates saying, we need to get this out the door. Communities are hurting. Progressives saying, we shouldn't let this go out if it doesn't have protections for it's, workers, if it yeah. doesn't have some clean energy provisions and, and this is um, some of the priorities that they have. It's infuriating. Anna Edgerton, keep up the great work. Thanks for making time for me today. That's Anna Edgerton, good friend of mine and, of course, Bloomberg Politics Editor. Coming up, we check in with a member of Congress. Congressman Andy Levin. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're awaiting the start of President Trump's coronavirus task uh, task force press briefing, the daily press briefing. It's scheduled to start at 5.30 p.m., but you know how these things go. They've been starting late. They've been starting late. The president, for his part, he had a Fox News town hall earlier today in which he continuously talks about reopening, reopening America, he predicted uh, Easter ceremonies, Easter celebrations to be packed. That goes against, folks, what the experts are saying down in the field. Uh, you know, it goes against what medical professionals, Dr. Fauci, has been saying. But there's now this open debate about when America will go back to work after the 15-day quarantine next week. And state schools shut down for the rest of the year in the DMV re- region. Mayor Bowser who's been doing a great job along with Governor Hogan of Maryland, a Democrat and Republican respectively, uh, really on the same page on that. But all week long, we're going to be uh, all week long. We're going to be going around the world to see how other countries are handling this. And just bear with me while I scroll up on my notes here. I'm working from home too, just like the rest of you. And joining me on the telephone line now is, uh, is Dr. Shi Chen, and Dr. Shi Chen is an assistant professor of health policy and economics at the Yale School of Public Health. Uh, professor, thank you so much for for joining us. So we just Happy talked, to, of course, and I want to focus on on China and how the Chinese have handled this. Where are you joining us from, Professor? Yeah, I'm joining my from my home in Connecticut, New Haven. So. So as you look at how Connecticut has handled this and how Beijing has handled this, talk to me about the differences. Yeah, so far I think uh, uh, Connecticut is uh, relatively in a better situation compared to the metropolitan cities like New York City. But uh, gradually uh, the hospital systems are crowded with patients. Um, But Yale already turned the gyms. Uh, to the, uh, we call the makeshift hospitals to prepare for the worst case when 
um, patients are flooding into the healthcare system. Uh, it's very important to uh, uh, have the centralized treatment and isolation strategy. That means uh, uh, given the overcrowded health facilities, we should prioritize those with severe conditions to be treated in the hospital system. But at the same time, we can isolate those confirmed uh, patients uh, to be at makeshift hospitals or the health facilities. So I think Yale is uh, preparing for that. And not only Yale, but uh, some other uh, universities, uh, research institutions have been like uh, converting their uh, facilities into the makeshift uh, health facilities now. Uh, doctor, you're a Chinese-American doctor, um, and you have studied the coronavirus. And so, uh, you know, look, I mean, there's a lot of people who are frustrated and want to know, why did this get out of Wuhan? I mean, why wasn't this controlled out of Wuhan? I mean, and and they don't mean it, it, it's it's incredibly difficult and and quite frankly angering to have the nation economy shut down, crippling, yeah. crippling, because of yeah. how Beijing didn't release data allegedly mm-hmm. out of Wuhan, and people are yeah. dying. And and the effect that this has had, it is it is it is it's hard to comprehend. So how did this even happen out of Wuhan? Everyone keeps saying they did a great job. Yeah. If they did a great job, it wouldn't have gotten out of Wuhan. Yeah, yeah. I think there's no doubt that at the beginning there was a cover up, especially at the local government. The I, I got to interrupt. You're saying, government. doctor, do, doctor, you're saying you're a Yale doctor. You're saying, quote, there was no doubt there was a cover up. End yeah. quote. How yeah. how then does America respond to that? Yeah, but I would say that this is an unknown virus. So it would really take time for people to realize this is a threat to the society. So that's why I think part of the reason they had a delay, much delayed, because they were not able to judge from a few fever cases to say that this is a threat or new virus to the outside. But think- things, Go ahead. Yeah, after, after this cover-up, I think they realized this is a more and the more uh, emergent cases, and uh, they change the strategy. They release the pathogen, the g- genetic sequence, to the outside world. I think that really helped to save a lot of lives, especially for the international community, to develop a test kit uh, as a result. But yeah, see, so this I is... think that there was definitely some wrongdoings at the beginning, but they corrected that. Doctor Chen, I gotta interrupt time. you. I gotta interrupt you because this is just this is just what I and and I was respectful with Ian Bremmer, our friend yeah. Ian Bremmer of the Eurasia Group yesterday. But this is just <laughs> what I, I I can't understand. I'm on the phone with people mm-hmm. back in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, who are afraid they're going to lose their job. Yeah. I'm on the and, yeah. and you know what? I'm not special. And people mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. the country are feeling this way. And because mm-hmm. Wuhan decided to cover up data and General Secretary Xi Jinping yeah. of the Communist Party of China decided mm-hmm. to not do data and, oh, they're bad. They're bad that they didn't mm-hmm. know how bad the coronavirus was going to be. I yeah. mean, are the, do you think that there's going to be sanctions placed on China as a result of this? I think so far we do not have much uh, resources and uh, energy now to go back to say who is the major guys to be blamed. But I think definitely – when we go back and to uh, to have uh, to improve our emergency response in the future, uh, many things need to be improved. But at the current moment, I think what's really urgent to be done is to uh, have the national quarantine, especially at the major uh, uh, metropo- metropolitan cities in America. Because if we overlay the trajectory of uh, infections in Wuhan 
And what happens now in New York City, we will see they are very much matching each other. But the situation in New York City is even worse than in Wuhan. Uh, when Wuhan was closing the door from outside, there was no as many cases as New York City did. And there was a shutdown of all the traffic and the economy. But Quickly. now in New York City, we are not able to do so. So I think it, this is very urgent. The, the sooner we can do this, to protect the lives of the American people. I think the, Was every, the, the sooner we will be recovered from this. Uh, the, and Doctor, the, I want to be respectful of your time. we got 30 seconds left, and I want to get this question in. Yeah, Was sure. every city in mainland China shut down for the same amount of time? No. Okay, no. that's important, Definitely folks. No. That's important. Yes. All right, Dr. That's Chen. Come back on. Come back on this later this week. I, I, I very much appreciate your time. That's Dr. Shi Chen. He's a Ph.D. He's the assistant professor of public health at Yale. Uh, he's studied the coronavirus. He knows all about it. Thank you, sir, for, for coming on. Coming up next, we check in with Congressman Andy Levin. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. President Trump's job approval rating is up to 49%. This according to a new Gallup poll. Did you see this? Just popped, literally, minutes ago. President Donald Trump may be enjoying a small rally in public support as the nation faces the COVID-19 pandemic. 49%, the highest of his presidency. Uh, Joining me on the line is Congressman Andy Levin. He represents Michigan's 9th Congressional District. He's a Democrat uh, from the, the, the northern suburbs, northern and northeastern burbs of Detroit. Congressman, thanks for being here. I gotta be honest with you. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated, Congressman. Why? Why hasn't this bill been passed? Well, good afternoon, Kevin. I'm frustrated, too. Uh, We've been uh, over in the House. We've put in thousands of hours, literally, of, uh, of member time and especially staff time putting together the very best uh, bill we can think of to uh, deal with this disastrous economic consequences um, that, that are coming along with this, um, this health crisis, this public health crisis. It's the biggest public health crisis in 100 years. And we need something that actually helps uh, the American people in the best way. So we're 
pushing for that, and the negotiations continue. I don't really know more than you do about when they'll wrap up, but I certainly hope it's soon. Well, all right, so so no timeline. No, I mean, Anna Edgerton, our Bloomberg Politics Editor, she was saying maybe midweek or a unanimous consent type of vote. Are you hearing that from Speaker Pelosi's office, that there could be a unanimous consent, which is a procedure that would speed this up and, and provide some assurance here? Yes, I mean, that that would be a goal. But you tell me, uh, 435 members of the House of Representatives, $2 trillion. I mean, I, we sometimes have trouble getting unanimous consent when there's 50 bucks on the line. But, I, but Congressman... You know, so it's but, a goal to get unanimous consent, but um, I'm not sure, you know, we'll see. We all have to see what's in it. Um, Does that frustrate you? Consent, we'll we'll come in and vote on it. Does that frustrate you? I mean, I I grew up in a district similar to yours from suburban Philadelphia, and 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 you know this. This is beyond just restaurants. This is beyond just kids staying home from school. People are having to make decisions tonight, tomorrow, about whether to lay people off. And I know you know this. I'm not lecturing you. And they are. And they are. So doesn't that make you want to scream? Michigan has the biggest jump in unemployment claims in, in modern history, in, you know, day by day. This is a, there's no question about what's going on, Kevin. But, uh, the, the, you know, the question is, who are we going to help? Are we going to help the workers? So let's talk about layoffs. Are we going to help? The, the economy is a little bit different than it was under the Taylorist manufacturing economy when our Social Security, you know, and, and uh, especially our unemployment and comp system came into effect. Are we going to help people who work multiple part-time jobs may not have enough hours to qualify for unemployment? Are we going to help people in the gig economy? That's what the Democrats in the House are fighting for, and we want to make sure. We're not just going to bail out the, the big airlines and the big banks and the big you know, companies. We want to actually get money to the working people who are suffering, and we're determined to do it. We're going to do it. Local governments, nonprofits. Um, we like one of our big pushes is we insist that there be actual grants for small businesses, not just loans. Well, you know, we want more money for people. Uh, the, we have increased the dollar amount that's going to go into people's pockets uh, right, well, immediately from this. So. Congressman Andy Levin's on the line. He's a Democrat from from Michigan. Let's dive into the weeds here because. So much of the mainstream press is just reporting on the dollar amount of what goes to to uh, to, to and, and folks the check that will go out the helicopter cash. If you are a business owner or you are a business leader or you work in the C level uh, or, or an executive in a decision maker as a decision maker, where can you go to get information once this bill passes midweek, hopefully tonight? It, where can you go to get information? on how to get that low-interest loan or how to get that grant? Who do you call? Who is your first call? Well, the, the, it depends on your situation. I mean, the small business, we were already helping, just say take my district in the suburbs of Detroit. We're already helping hundreds of small businesses uh, get in process with the Small Business Administration. And I think the Small Business Administration is working hard behind the scenes to greatly augment their capacity to process claims in a, a, a creative way that may surprise you that I think they'll announce. So there were, but we're already helping people uh, get in queue. We already passed significant legislation for small businesses. The, the details 
for the for the bigger companies, you know, those details are still being worked out. So I don't know the answer to that. Just but yet. the small business administration, if you're if you own a company or you have a small business, get in touch with your local elected official and get connected to SBA. That's what I'm hearing, right, Congressman? Levin? Yes, absolutely. And we have on my website, and and we're uh, sending out to people. Uh, the way to, um, you know, start applying now. I mean, people, look, your restaurant shut down, your hotel shut down, whatever your situation is. I mean, you need help right now. Yeah, you need uh, it yesterday. You need help right now. And, you know, the, in our region, uh, the auto company shut down, and you know what? They needed to. I mean, some people were actually contracting the virus, more than one person in the facilities, you know. So they needed to do that. Well, then all the suppliers go down. And now with the shutdown orders, the car dealerships, you know, so it's millions of, of people have, uh, have lost their jobs already. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unprecedented crisis. And one of the things that I've been pushing the hardest on, and there was a little progress today, was for the president actually to use the Defense Production Act to work with industry to mass produce immediately all the materials we need to deal with this crisis, which is everything about testing. We need to be, once this first huge wave comes through, we've got to be up and running with mass testing so that we don't have to shut down again, you yeah. know, because we don't know who's, who's getting infected. We need uh, ventilators. We need um, masks and gowns, all these things. Uh, and, uh, we have companies that can jump in. So great if 3M can make, you know, some of the N95 masks we need. Let's get other companies in there to supplement. The president can give them a contract, a guaranteed contract, and require them to take it. It's guaranteed money. It's patriotic. It's great PR, and you're keeping your people working. Yeah. I mean, so we need to we need to fully use the powers of the Defense Production Act, and this is as patriotic as it gets. I mean, we're talking about how we built the arsenal of democracy that every school child learns about, you know, during World War II. Right. And I mean, here we, we have are. some local pride about that around here because, you know, we stopped making cars and we started making bombers and tanks and save democracy. And now you, you know, guys so. are, I'm hearing a lot of the supply chains are, are making ventilators and, and they're reworking the supply chain. We, we heard about that yesterday. Congressman, I want to ask you about this because prior to being elected in office, you worked on human rights uh, and you investigated human rights abuses in China. And, yes. and, and you know, I'm frustrated. And I, I, everyone keeps saying in the news, oh, the Chinese did such a good job of controlling this. They were better than anyone. Well, then how did it get out of Wuhan? How did it get out of Wuhan, Congressman? We got a minute left. No, well, the Chinese weren't great. Uh, you know, on your say angle, it again, the, the say it again. Rights, but the, people the Chinese who were the greatest weren't great. Were Singapore, yeah, and Taiwan. There were other countries nearby that did a, an even better job. Uh, but you know what China's good at is central control, and so ultimately they shut everything down. But look, the, they were very slow on the uptake on this, as was the United States. And the whole, you know, the whole world is paying for that. And we're paying here with for how slow we were to deal with this. Sanctions? So, we got 45 seconds left. Do you think sanctions against China? Is that where this is all headed? No, I don't know. Because of a public health crisis? No. 
All right, I, I mean, don't think I don't, a public I don't health crisis that's shut down the whole global economy. I mean, I don't okay, know, Congressman. Well, if you want to, if you want to go there, Kevin, the this administration in Washington frittered away two precious planning months when we should have been you. testing. So, what are you going to put sanctions on them? I mean, it sounds great on you know sounds. I hear you. on radio but or TV or whatever we're doing here. But <laughs> I think we got to – everybody's got to get we gotta go. up and get this stuff going. To More next. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.